Good morning. Today I'd like to talk about PTSD or post-traumatic stress disorder. This is something that I think for most people it's highly misunderstood. And I think for a lot of people that have experienced trauma in their lives, it's something they don't want to talk about. You know, when I, when I was coming back from Haiti the after the earthquake there, I was the chief of security for the Utah Hospital Task Force. It was, at the time, the largest volunteer task force to um, go to the beleaguered island and render aid. I was in charge of security and appointed by a man named Steve Studdert, who was a former advisor to President Reagan and the task force commander. Uh, my sole responsibility was to be his bodyguard and to protect the doctors and nurses and to also help facilitate the other five security personnel that were coming with me. So I didn't really know them that well, but the mission was very grueling and it very intense. And uh, we went after um, a U.S. citizen who was kidnapped, abducted. Um, we, man, we did so many things in country. Uh, injuries were severe. Uh, they were piling people in big stacks and, you know, burning them. There was 300,000 killed and 2 million displaced and yada, yada, yada. Just a really tough environment. 10,000 felons had broken out of prison uh, at the, at, at, as the quake unfolded. Uh, it collapsed the federal penitentiary where these 10,000 were residing, and they poured into Port-au-Prince. Parliament was meeting at their Capitol building, and it was crushed. Everybody in there was crushed and killed. Most of the doctors and nurses were in a convention out by the airport, and their building collapsed and killed most of the doctors and nurses. It was just an epic disaster. When I got back from Haiti, my um, world changed. Um, something had happened while I was there that I didn't understand or anticipate. And I began to suffocate. And everything that I'd ever done in rescue or military operations or even growing up in a little town in L.A., a little gang town, all of this crystallized in me not being able to breathe. I questioned everything that was in front of me and I ended up losing my marriage after 25 years and getting divorced over the about two, three years after that. Um, and then, you know, to her credit, um, I had chosen a life that was very aggressive and, uh, gone a lot and very diverse in what I did. And so one of the things I did after I got back, and here's really the point, is I I went and saw, when I separated from my wife, I went and saw a trauma doc in the Salt Lake City area, and he was a good man. He was an older man. And when I was meeting with him, he actually had this system that he had created where he would take me down a path. And I was kind of hesitant and didn't really want to be there. I was not interested in being fixed because I didn't really know that I was broken, but I was starting to realize that I had for many years, many dysfunctional thoughts and many perceptions that were completely skewed. So one of the things he did, uh, he wanted me to lay down on the couch. And I said, no, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> so I sat on the couch and it, just in case he tried to hypnotize me, I put my fingers on my knees and I a technique that, you know, I learned in the past. And I put pressure on my knees so I could tell that I was awake and I could feel my my body. And it would give me a sense that I was in control. But what he did was interesting. He actually took his chair and slid over to me 
as he was going to present this program to me uh, by reading to me and having me in participate non-verbally in a in a process and he then he he spun his chair around and turned his back to me his big leather chair he spun it around and I I was kind of thinking he just gave me his back wow and I realized that this is a guy that I could trust so for seven weeks I met with this guy and uh, he walked me down these paths and beautiful vistas and handed rocks to people and all these different things. And it was really powerful. And after about seven weeks, he finally said to me, he said, you know, David, you're good to go. I go, what? He goes, you know, you're very resilient. You're a smart guy. You keep going back and doing stuff again and again. And he says, you're just, you've got the tools now. He taught me some therapies, some tap therapies, some cognitive skills and recognizing triggers and Help me understand how everything's kind of related and associated when it comes to trauma, how the brain is wired or not wired correctly, that it's not an emotional issue, but it has derivative emotional challenges. And I learned so much and left and never been back. Not that some people might not think I should go back, but I, I never had to go back. And I wrote this article called Break Glass in Time of War. And I tell you that story on the front end so you have context for what I'm going to share with you, which is something I wrote a long time ago uh, around this time frame, uh, 2010-ish, 11, 12, something like that. And it's called Break Glass in Time of War. And some of this stuff I don't necessarily feel anymore, but it's how I felt at the time. And it's why we're losing 22 veterans a day, Police officers every day are killing themselves, fire personnel, rescue personnel, ambulance drivers. There's a big problem we have in our, in our country with people who put themselves on the line. And this article that I wrote kind of describes, I think, how it feels and how we feel and why we feel different than perhaps what we would call normal people. Break glass in time of war. Are you the kind of guy, I should say gal, also, that most people don't get? Why are so many of our veterans committing suicide? Why are they so overwhelmed with depression? Simple. People don't understand them and it makes them crazy. Do you have the ability to wade through huge amounts of stress, trauma, and conflict and still be standing at the end of it? If so, perhaps you're someone who should be put in a glass case and sedated. And then when a violent confrontation happens to those that do not enjoy your company, they can simply break the glass and let you out. This is the perspective that many of my friends have exhibited over the years, verbally and non-verbally, when reviewing my personal life, careers, missions, or other activities. Some of these activities I have chosen, while others have selected me. Some of these people have, even after a short period of time, left with no contact, without a word. In a perfect world, wouldn't it be nice if you could have constant protection and security as well as a cuddly and sensitive man who would tend to your every need, be domestic, and attend every concert, recital, and activity where the family's involved? How does one break from the conflict of life or war where threats are numbered by the minute and then fit into the seemingly calm, non-threatening world that others see and feel? For us, at times I submit that there, for many, is no such thing as the calm, serene world. Only the facade of the condition I just don't see the threat. 
It is my opinion the real world wants to eat you for dinner and barf up your bones. For years, I and men like me have tried to reconcile with not only God, but our fellow men on how to coexist with those around us who just don't get it. Question is, what don't they get and why? First of all, they don't understand the cost of providing safety and freedoms that they enjoy. They, for the most part, do not desire to interface with the genuine evil that exists in the world around them. They are the bystanders. They are the ones that, quote, do not want to interfere. They may catch a glimpse of world events on the news or perhaps even watch a TV show that has a challenging theme and think that they've been made aware. While these examples may portray violence or even act out traumatic events there without true sight, sound, taste, touch, and smell that is so prevalent in a real-world encounter. While we may want our families to be safe and to some degree immune from the harsh realities of the outside world where the kill-or-be-killed theme is the motto of the day, we also want them to appreciate that there is a breed of men and women that run towards the fight without acknowledging the risks. A group of folks that act upon injustice or pull broken bodies out of rubble, even though we may never have met them in person. We do this not only to shelter or protect our own children and make the world a better place, but we do it as a way to make the world better, to make a difference. When we, the warrior breed, decide to act and the courage is mustered up to leave the safety of home, the preparation alone can be gruesome and life-changing. Sometimes it takes years to prepare to meet the foe in the field of battle. The field of battle is a hard place where metal meets meat. It is the harsh world of bone on bone. It has the odors of blood and sweat. It can be in your town or abroad. It is tasted by men and women who choose to act, the doers of deeds, the few. After initial training has been completed, the warrior then enters the unforgiving world where the quick and dead litter the landscape. Sometimes these events will be frequent and intense. Other times they will be gapped and measured. Regardless of the frequency or intensity, these events tear at the very fabric of every soft and cuddly thing that you've ever known. They create a sense of vulnerability and insecurity that only veterans of these scenes can appreciate completely. This is not to say that others do not experience traumas in life. In fact, it's the opposite. Because we know that those who also go into harm's way also have personal traumas in the course of their lives. Compound these traumas with the conflicts in other lands or the events that are out of the realm for rational family topics, and you kind of get the picture. In other words, you, the warrior, get the hard life experiences like everyone else and those also thrusted upon you by your chosen profession. So why do these experiences make you feel like an apple in a field of oranges? It's really simple. You need to withdraw from the world everyone else is living in because you simply don't understand it. You know it exists because you once lived there. You even felt the safety and the joy of moving freely in a world where someone else was on guard and watching as a protector and guardian. As you yourself become that very guardian, things change. And you can never return to the safe place and must not only be on guard, but be prepared in every way to win the fight should it come again. This is a lot of information to absorb. And if you don't get it or think I should be a referral to your local clinic, then just put me back in the glass case and break it in time of conflict.
If you have been on the line anywhere for anyone or for something that makes the world a better place, I affirm you and I love you. David Abernell. So there's a few things in here that I uh, I still agree with, and much of it I still agree with. Some of it I, I'm not so sure we can't return to the safe place. It just takes a lot of work. And I'm not so sure how we actually do that. I'm still working on that myself. But I hope that you share this with people that are out there because I've it's been published several times uh, in many publications and periodicals. And I actually have the chance every once in a while to go speak to law enforcement agencies or 911 agencies uh, and help them understand that PTSD is not a bad word. It is a result of a life of love and service. In fact, as I close here, I was attending one of these sessions with uh, the Salt Lake Police Department and with a really great friend of mine named Jeffrey who had invited me. And the lady who was going to present after I gave my hour-long warm them up spiel is, uh, I think she's clinical, uh, psychologist, psychiatrist. She's phenomenal. And she is focused hundred percent on, uh, PTSD. And she said this, she says, do you know why you are so vulnerable and susceptible to having this disorder condition, whatever you want to call it? And Everybody kind of listened intently, and she said, because you love. It is because you love that you become a cop or a fireman or a soldier or an airman or a sailor or a marine. And it is because you love that you act while you're there on the behalf of others. And because you love, your heart is open and susceptible to receiving much of the pain that you experience in the process of serving. My hat is off to all those who are out there on the line this very day, those who have been there in the past. You have my sword and shield. You have my respect. And I hope that you take to the heart the message here, which is you're not broken. You have served and as a result, perhaps suffered. There are a tremendous number of tools that are available for you to increase the quality of your life. Have a great day. This is Jaeger, out.